Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned that this podcast contains body language of the modern and early modern varieties, so plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice that you can make, but don't say we didn't warn you. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't need yeah. it, but... I try to be silent anyway. I try not to <laughs> make undue yeah. noise. Tone down your mouth breathing, would you? Jeez. <sighs> Yep, it's gross. Sorry, listeners, because you know that <laughs> I, I, I know that that's our bumper. I know that I just did that for you. I, I know the way that your mind works, so I'm sorry that everyone had to learn listen do. to that. Yeah. <laughs> blah blah. All right, let's. All right, fucking do this bullshit. Yeah. Let's do it. Welcome to the Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. And together, we are Whamlet. And uh, this week, we are talking about Arden of Faversham. Yes. Every week, we discuss a different play by our favorite guy, William Rob Lowe Shakespeare, at what we like to call the 101 level. That is introductory stuff, everything that you need to know to have a general understanding of the play and its major themes and some other cool stuff that you will get nowhere else, like our opinions, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, Okay, but before any of that, we must get back to the rhetorical device of the week. Yeah, because we're word nerds, each week we draw a random device from our handy dandy rhetorical device flashcards. Yep, for asters, for asters and scholars, for for actors and scholars, knowing these rhetorical devices helps us recognize patterns in Shakespeare's language, so that we can gain a better understanding of what's being said and how it's being said. Basically, it helps us understand characters through their speech tactics. Draw a card, Chadlow. <laughs> Thanks, brother Roblo. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to say it every time. I know that we're like out of cards, but I still have to, because it's in the script. I got to say it. Right. Yeah. Also, I put a lot of effort into picking out these names for you. So. You did. I can tell. Suck it. I, mm hmm. All right. I want the (laughs) blue one. Just, oh, okay. There's only one blue one left. So that's what we get. I I was wondering for basically two years when this card was going to pop up. Antanaclasis. Antanaclasis. Yes, Antenaclassis, A-N-T-A-N-A-C-L-A-S-I-S, Antenaclassis. It repetition is... Repetition in different senses. Yes, it's the repetition of a word or phrase whose meaning changes in the second instance, or as Jess said, changing in the words in the senses. Some whatever Jess said. Repetition <laughs> so, in different senses. Thank you, repetition in different senses. Which, okay, it upsets me that the Othello example is not the example on this card uh but the example that is on this card is a a good one uh it's from the taming of the shrew kate says asses are made to bear and so are you petruchio says women are made to bear and so are you so i just the sense of the word bear changes in their in their exchange right that's all and you were thinking of put out the light and then put out the light yes yeah i like that one yeah that's good put out the light then put out the light Okay, yes. Othello. Light so, meaning 
candle and light meaning life. Yeah. As he's killing his wife. <laughs> Ooh, you're a poet and you didn't know it. <laughs> um, so it's a contemporary week, sort of. So it's time to meet the contemporary. And this week, it's our good friend, Anonymous. Ooh, Anonymous. This mm-hmm. might be your life. So Anonymous <laughs> was anonymously born to anonymous parents in an anonymous town at some point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anonymous is the most prolific and well-known playwright of the early modern period. Anonymous is responsible for writing well over 100 plays. Well done, Anonymous. Anonymous was a master of genre adapting easily to any and all of them. Equally at home, writing comedy and tragedy and city comedy and tragicomedy and history plays, they delivered hit after hit after hit, like Musidorus. And Fair M, the Miller's daughter. And A Knack to Know a Knave. And Crack Me This Nut. And... It's a play I about know. a nut. Crack me this nut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Also, thanks for not reading this before we did it. Yep. <laughs> and a warning for fair women. And look about you. And the wisdom of Dr. Dodipole. Dodipole. <laughs> That's a silly name, too. And the merry devil of Edmonton. And a Yorkshire tragedy. And the Welsh traveler. So good. That's anonymous. Yep. And anonymous then died anonymously in an an anonymous place at an an anonymous time. They are buried in an anonymous grave. Yep. The end. Anonymous. That may have been your life. We don't know. It's anonymous. All right. Before we begin any summary time, we do like to help our listeners out, not really, with a five-word unhelpful title. Uh, This week, mine is Special Goggles and Poisoned Paintings. Mine is Early Modern True Crime Hilarity. Yes. So now it's time for the Dramatis Personae, but only the really important ones, which just happens to also really only be the whole cast list. Yeah, pretty much. There's not there's not that many characters really in this. No, in yeah, this it's, play. it's like, a it's a nice tight little piece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have the titular Arden of Faversham. His first name is Thomas. He is a wealthy landowner. Yes. We also have Alice, his wife. You might remember her from the early rounds of our Dick Bracket. Mm-hmm. Then there is Mosby, her side piece. Mm-hmm. Mosby. We also have Clark, a painter. There is Green, who is a tenant whose land Arden has taken. Yep, there's this guy named Black Will. He's a hired murderer. And Shakebag, his partner. (laughs) Then there's Franklin, who's Arden's BFF. And finally, we have Michael, who is Arden's servant. So, uh, why is this play so goddamn popular? It's so not. It's been performed maybe twice in the last 400 years. No, surely like, more than that. The RSC like, did it recently. Okay, so like maybe, but like a handful of times. Like yeah. nobody has done this play. I mean, it, it doesn't get done a lot. It gets taught a shit ton. It's yeah. I, I think it's a really popular scholarly play, yep. but not so popular in the theater. 
But oh yeah. my fucking god, this play is great. <laughs> it really should be. It should be more it should be done more often. Like you would think that the whole true crime aspect of it might be sort of like too timely to, you know, transcend and be, you know, accessible for 21st century listeners, but it's not. It's like the it's the trope is oldest time, you know, yeah. the the what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Infidelity, but it's in the the unfaithful <laughs> the unfaithful spouse trying to kill their spouse so that they can yep. be with their their Sancho like that's relatable man they're Sancho Panza yeah they're Sancho Panza what is this no. reference a Sancho is the Spanish word for side piece basically uh, your Sancho or your Sancha okay sorry I'm like, from California I just throw in that lingo every Sancho. once in a while Panza? I was yeah. Don Quixote gay for Sancho Panza? <laughs> that's where that's from, right? That's Don Quixote? Yes. Okay. I've never read yes. it. But yes. I've seen yeah. the wishbone version. Now you're making me question whether Sancho Panza was in I'm thinking about it too hard. No, you I think you're right. Yes, yeah. you're right. Right. That's yeah. his his buddy. No, but it's like uh, that you know the, or the Lone Ranger. Who's in that? You know that, that one sublime song? What's that one sublime song where he's like Something or Sancho, oh, and I'm gonna kill her. And yeah, there's yeah, Sancho yeah. that she's found. Yeah, yeah. Papa, Cap, and Sancho, and her down. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's do a Yeah. So in in short, this play should be more done, if not for anything else besides Black Will and Shake Bag, because oh they are God. a treat. I mean, the rest They're of it's so okay, too, but, like, really, Black Will and Shake Bag just make the play. Yeah. Okay. Summary time. Okay. So this play, like um, some of the other plays that we have done on this podcast so far, is not divided into acts in scenes. It's just right. scenes. But summarizing each scene got away from me, so we're just, we split it up into two this this time Great. around. So we've, we've got done the first that half and the second half. Yeah, we've we've done you that know, before. With Thomas Moore, we did the first bit and the middle bit and the last bit. Yeah. So now we're just first half, last half. Okay. Yeah. So we will now summarize Arden of Faversham for you in a segment that this week we're calling Just Like Poison. This summary is going to get inside your body through the totally true science of poisonous words. And this summary will murder you and you will be dead because that's how poison works and also science. Wow. That was a mouthful. You worked really hard on that. I love this play <laughs> it's i mean it's worth loving it really is it's i really love good. this play it's right. real good yeah and hopefully the listeners will understand what you're talking about about your weird poison science by the time we're oh, done they're about to because it's in the summary <laughs> <laughs> i made sure great Let's okay go. so in the first half, Arden has been granted a huge amount of lands from the king. They used to belong to an abbey, but now they're all his, and in the process, he has taken land from a bunch of his neighbors who get real mad. Despite this good news, he is not happy because he thinks his wife, Alice, is having an affair with Mosby. Alice flatly denies this. porridge when he spits it out because it tastes nasty she goes ballistic crying that he doesn't think she's a good cook and she's so insulted and maybe it really is poison and she'll eat it and then she'll just die because clearly he doesn't love her or trust her and everything is terrible he comforts her 
apologizes, and trots off to London with his bro Franklin. As soon as he leaves, Alison Mosby contracts the painter, Clark, to create a poisoned crucifix that will kill Arden just from looking at it because that is how poison works. Alice asks Clark how it's possible to make such a thing without killing himself, and Clark answers that he can be protected just by wearing his glasses really close to his face because science. While Arden's gone, his tenant Green shows up to complain about the seizure of his land and Alice pays him to hire assassins to murder Arden. Green hires Black Will and Shakebag, the two most bumbling assassins in all of early modern drama, and hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Black, yes, Black Will and Shakebag hide themselves near a shop in London to kill Arden as he walks past, but the shopkeeper's apprentice shuts up the shop and in so doing, shuts the window on Black Will's head, who suffers a <laughs> hilarious injury and Arden walks past unscathed. Then the assassins get Arden's manservant Michael to leave the doors unlocked so they can murder him in his bed, but then Michael has a change of heart and they're foiled again! Oh my god, this play. In the second half, Mosby and Ellis have a fight, but she re-seduces him and they make out a little bit. A letter arrives from Green that they haven't managed yet to kill Arden, but that they have a foolproof plan to get him on the way home. Elsewhere, Black Will and Shakebag are foiled again when Arden encounters a friend on the road and there are too many witnesses. Clark delivers the poisoned crucifix to Alice and Mosby. Elsewhere, Arden and Franklin are catching a ferry in the fog and Arden delivers the best line in the entire play. And while lying in wait for them, Shakebag falls into a ditch and has to be rescued by the ferryman. As the fog clears, Mosby, Alice, and Green happen upon them and are frustrated to learn that Arden has escaped again. Alice pays the murderers some more money and takes back and takes charge. Black Will and Shakebag will lie in wait at home where Arden can be easily murdered while playing a game with Mosby. At home, Mosby and Arden finally seem friendly and sit down to play a game. At the appointed moment, Black Will, Shakebag, Mosby, and Alice attack Arden and murder him. Then they hide his body and then drag it outdoors to make it look like it was set upon by bandits. But there's evidence everywhere and they're almost immediately discovered and arrested. Franklin delivers an epilogue telling what happened to all of the conspirators. Spoiler alert, they all hanged or worse. And how to spot, uh, sorry, and how the spot where Arden's body lay showed the outline of his corpse for years after the murder. Effine. I love this play. I love this play oh my god this ridiculous play yeah so 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 ridiculous yeah i read it for the first time for that nice paul menzer uh in 2013 2014 somewhere Mm -hmm. in there five six years ago now and ever since i have wanted to see it and now i've seen it and my life is amazing but we'll get to that I'm curious what you think is the best line in the entire play. Uh, it's the one we're going out on, so you can wait until then. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll keep my panties out of a knot until oh then. Oh my god. I was just, like, watching it, and I was like, please don't cut this line. 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 And then he said it, and I was like, yes! Anyway. So let's talk about it, shall we? Yes, please, 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 please do that. (laughs) Okay, so the play is mostly anonymous, um, but many scholars now believe that Shakespeare wrote at least five scenes of it. Other authors might be Thomas Kidd or Christopher Marlowe. We just don't know is the thing. We just don't know. It's been alternately claimed for all of these people. It is included 
in the new Oxford Shakespeare complete works. So there that is what that is. If it is true that Shakespeare had a hand in this, it is probably the second or third thing he ever wrote because uh, it was written in about 1588. So probably the only thing that he had written before it was two gens. The most exciting thing about this play is that it is based on a true story. Okay. I'm ex are you excited? I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm, I'm excited. excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. True crime. True it's crime. Um, so the story is reported in Hollinshed's Chronicles in the 1580s. We've talked about Hollinshed Chronicles a little bit on the we pod. Did, it was yeah. the star of a Burbage yeah. break some time ago. Uh, uh -huh. It's the Chronicles of England, essentially. It's the, mm -hmm. the whole compendium of history. Okay. And somehow this crime ends up in that, though, like in, in the yeah, it's history not just kings of kings and queens. And queens. It's oh, not okay, just it's history. Not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. There's all kinds of stuff in there. It's mostly and what we care about are it's the, like the kings Richard and queens. the second, Richard yeah. the third. Oh, and Thomas Arden was mm -hmm. brutally murdered. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. not just. Um, and also because this was so scandalous and notorious was true. A reason yeah. to end it. Okay, yeah. so the story goes a little something like this: Thomas Arden was a successful Tudor businessman born in 1508. He took advantage of Henry VIII's Reformation to make his fortune and acquired a mm -hmm. bunch of lands during the dissolution of the monasteries in 1538. Okay. His wife, Alice, had taken a lover, Mosby. Mosby. And they too plotted to murder her husband. Mm -hmm. They made several attempts on his life that didn't pan out and finally hired two ex soldiers who were literally named Black Will and Shakebag. Oh, great. Who made some more attempts on Arden's life that didn't work out. Arden was finally murdered at home on February 14th, 1551, and his body was left in a field during a snowstorm to make it look like he'd been murdered by someone who came to visit the St. Valentine's Day Fair in Faversham. But the snow stopped before the murderer's footprints were covered, and the authorities followed their tracks back to the house where they found bloodstains all over, and the killers quickly confessed. Allison Rookie Mosby, mistake. Right? Come on now. Allison Ooh. Mosby were put on trial and convicted. He was hanged and she was burned at the stake. Damn. Black Will fled to Flanders and records are unclear about what happened to him after that. He was either hanged or extradited back to England. Shakebag escaped and was never heard from again. The murder mm. was sensational. It was notorious. Uh, it was widely, widely reported for years and years and years. It definitely would have been known to Elizabethan readers, you know, at the time that this play was written and performed yeah. originally. For sure, people were talking about it. It also, uh, aside from the play, the story was adapted into a ballad, uh, I think around the same time. Um, so, you know... You know, you know, uh, the Disney Robin Hood with the fox, you know. Disney Robin Hood with the fox. Yes. Yeah. yeah you know, this is like an iconic yes, piece with, of, okay. With the King John who sucks yes. his thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, so, you know, at the beginning of that, where, um. With the rooster. The, with the rooster. The rooster. Yeah. Yeah. The rooster. The strumming, yeah, okay. the traveling minstrel, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, this was all elaborate setup for the rooster. <laughs> if he were a person, is the kind of character who would have gone around England with the ballad of Arden of Faversham. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking about a rooster. <laughs> right? Going around that talking about this. rooster in particular, though. This rooster, yeah, with that voice, that mm -hmm. iconic, whoever that actor was, that voice. Yeah. I like, forget what the rooster's well, name Arden is, but I hope Faversham. it's... I think it's just rooster. Is it? I hope it's Chanticleer. I don't know. 
<laughs> Maybe it is Chanticleer. That would make more sense. It would make more sense. I hope it is, but I don't know that it is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, 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 you have to, you're going to have, you talk because I'm just going to, sure. and I love that. Those are all of my notes, but I love sure. this play. And I'm so excited about this play. And like, we just saw this play. So anyway, you go. <laughs> yeah. So sure. Um, in my notes, it just says, my God, subplot. Yeah. This I play don't... is fucking, it's just Blackwell and Shakebag. Like I don't give a shit, frankly, about Alice and Mosby and Arden. I don't care. I well, just also want... about the servants, you know, what about the servants? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't Clark give a shit. And... Michael and I love Clark because he's the painter. Yeah, and, and that's Michael. how science works. But like, oh my god! If I just press my glasses up against my face, right? you won't see the poison. You can't uh, see it. That's science. So All the science. So, so for for this production, right? You have to. There's some balancing acts that have to go on. Basically, from from what I saw, and I I was thinking like. You know, is this play objectively funny? Yes, it is. Yes. It is stupidly funny uh, with all of the botched uh, murders. You know, it's just like it's like why children love the Looney Tunes. You know, the, like Wiley Coyote tries every stupid thing he can to murder that stupid bird and it fails and we laugh. Um, so you have many of those moments throughout this play. and But then at the very end, it actually turns around. They made it happen. They actually kill him, and it's really brutal. And, um, and like, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was talking to them about Arden of Faversham and, like, how cool it is that we kind of get to experience what Shakespeare's audience would experience in, in watching a brand new play. It's new to us, right? And we don't know what's happening and and they were like yeah I was just sort of emotionally confused the entire time because I knew that like this was serious they're actually trying to murder him and then it's it's you know they fail and fail and fail and then they finally succeed and it's like you don't know kind of when to stop laughing because it's all of a sudden not funny anymore um and so you you know that's there that lives in this play I'm not sure there's really anything you can do about it I I also can't imagine that it played really any differently at the time either you know I can't imagine that people weren't just ha 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 aren't they stupid oh my god he's dead you know yeah um Gary Taylor and Terry Burroughs who are the editors of this text for the the new Oxford call Mm -hmm. it um the earliest example of black comedy yeah I mean, it would have to be. It's yeah. got Fargo written all over it. <laughs> like yeah. It's, yeah, it's very much that vibe. So there's that. You have a little subplot. Jess and I mentioned earlier, like, in when we listed the Dramatis Personae, there are very few characters in mm-hmm. this. Like, nobody really has to double. No. Um, I don't recall seeing anybody doubled. KP doubled. Did he? Yeah, he was Clark and the innkeeper and... Um, Somebody else and Katie oh. doubled. Katie played a bunch of small apprentice. Oh, and the, sure. The Tiny mayor. Parts, the, yeah. Like the cop that shows yeah. up with yeah, the yeah. little magnifying glass. Meg oh doubled. She was the okay. ferryman and Bradshaw. Okay, you're right. So, yeah, but, there, are little, there are some little bit parts, but yeah. like, yeah, you're right. I forgot about them. Yeah. But like but the principal roles. Very little doubling. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really very little. Um, so that's kind of nice, mm-hmm. I guess, especially if you're trying to do this with a contemporary company when you can't afford more than about 10 actors anyway. So yeah. that's easy. Yeah. Um, there's a whole subplot that we didn't really talk about at all in our summary of the servant, Arden's servant, Michael, and also Clark the painter. It is mm-hmm. Clark the painter, right? Clark who want to marry who wants to marry Mosby's sister, Susan. Yeah. Who was not even in the summary or the DP. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and so they're like sort of fighting it out for Susan's affection. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why that subplot is there. It's um, so underdeveloped, right? Like yeah. the only the only reason it really matters is because that's sort of what Alice uses as her bargaining chip to get Michael right. and Clark on her side. Right, right. She dangles the carrot of marriage yeah. with Mosby's sister Susan as like, help me murder your master yeah. and and I can make this happen for you. But it's such yeah. a throwaway. Like you don't yeah. you don't need it. Yeah. And then and I mean and then it just I mean it heaps on the tragedy at the end because they, you know, in the epilogue, uh, we learned that they too, for the little part that they played um, they hanged as well, all of them, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and it sucks for them. Still, kind of, I I didn't have a lot of production perspective going in. I just kind of know what I saw and thinking about what what those actors had to deal with, you know, because there's not. It all kind of takes place. It, it takes place in in Faversham and in London. Um, so, you know, help, help to differentiate like locations, uh, a little bit. And there's that, the in-between, like the roads between London and Faversham and the fog. Um, if you do have, if you are working in a theater with all the bells and whistles, you do get to create some really thick fog if you want. Although it is also intensely funny to watch actors pretend that there's fog when there is none. (laughs) Very silly. (laughs) Playing darkness. Yep. Yeah, Rick spent a good five solid minutes just waving his hat, pretending there was fog. Yeah. Um, it was, this, so it was not unfunny. This you know. is interesting. I'm looking at the epilogue right now, um, uh-huh. and Susan and Michael and Clark. Sorry, Clark yeah. is mentioned, but Susan and Michael are not. They're not. Uh, it's, That's weird because yeah. in definitely in the epilogue that yeah they were David on stage spoke. And, yeah, they were on stage and he yeah. said their names and they yeah. you know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wonder. I wonder what text the ASC was using. Also, yeah. we saw this at the ASC four days ago. We I did. know we keep yeah. talking about we saw it, but that's where we saw it, and we're about to talk yeah. about it more. I think probably. Anyway, it says shake bag and black will green, the painter. That's it. Huh. Yeah. It doesn't even mention um, Mosby and Alice. Oh, weird. Yeah, they must have been working with a different text that had those people in yeah because it i distinctly remember our epilogue who was it rick it was rick, rick yeah. The epilogue? yeah yeah it was rick. saying alice burned right which we know she did yeah maybe he maybe they just took that from the holland shed maybe they just kind of filled in the epilogue themselves i don't know what they did i'd love to oh, ask them now yeah you're gonna have to do that my program is in a different room yeah. so not like yeah. the program will tell me what uh text it used anyway but also yeah um, yeah, so, please find out. Please find out what text they used. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting conundrum. I yeah. didn't realize that they did that. Uh, well, they did something. They augmented it somehow. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, the other thing that just popped out to my ear while I was listening to the text, of course, is a good and healthy dose of misogyny in there. <laughs> like, all yep. of the men in the play are like, well, don't believe women. They are yep. conniving. Maybe I shouldn't say even on our podcast, but that's what they are. <laughs> that's what he said. He didn't that's say a that. choice that you can make. Yeah. He did not say that. I put that in. But, you know, basically the entire time, like, well, don't, can't trust a woman. Can't trust a woman. And then the moral of the story when the epilogue comes out is you can't trust a femme fatale like Alice. Yeah. 
So, I mean, and really Alice is a devious piece of work, but yep. she's not, I mean, we know she yep. doesn't represent all the ladies, but, but yeah, so that, I mean, I just, that, that always, that always jumps out to my ear. So it was a thing that I noticed. Um, and Benjamin Reed did a really good job of just playing that out to the house every time. He was just like, well, you can't trust women. So, I mean, that's all I got. I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of thinking about it. Yeah. And when it's a new work like this, I'm never quite sure what to say. New work. It's new to me, okay? New to me, like a used car. years old. New to me, <laughs> like a used car. I stand by it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you like to play a round of Fuck, Mary Kill? Yes! A yes, couple of rounds would. of Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh my god, yes. All right. Excellent. I'm flipping back to the DP. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, we're returning to a new favorite game called mm-hmm, Fuck, mm-hmm, Mary Kill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so... So, okay, so let's let's start with the most fun one. Yeah, yeah. Which will be Black Will, Shake Bag, <laughs> and Green. Black Will, Shake Bag, and green. Yeah. Who'd you fuck? Who'd you marry? Who'd you kill? <sighs> I would. I would fuck Black Will. Mm, yep. I would marry Shakebag and I would kill Green. Why? I'm curious. Because Shakebag is the only one who survives. That's true. He escapes and is never heard from again. True. True. Now, see, I would also fuck Black Will. He seems like a good time. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> I would kill Shakebag and I would marry Green only because if Green were to die, I mean, he had, well, he had property. Yeah, but then he lost it to Arden. <laughs> yeah, then, well, then Arden also died. Somehow I know I'd come, I'd come into that property and be okay. a happy widow. <laughs> okay. So... That's fine with me. <laughs> okay. Um, how about Arden, Franklin, and Mosby? Arden, Franklin, and Mosby. Mm, okay. I would... I'd fuck Mosby, I would kill Arden, and I'd marry Franklin. Yep. Interesting. I'm not going to think too hard about it. Yeah, I would also... Mary Franklin, but I think I'd fuck Arden and kill Mosby. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arden is so trusting and yet not like he's certain of his wife's infidelity, but he's just so easily fooled again. Yeah. I don't know if I want to, I just don't know if I want someone that stupid to live. I mean, I'm sorry. Sure. It's, it's been a long week, and I have lost my filter. Like it is gone. It is utterly gone. Uh, I just don't think I want to have sex with someone who's actively plotting someone else's murder. Mm. I just think it could be kind of hot. Except for Black Will, who I definitely want to have sex with. <laughs> JK, my logic falls apart entirely. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's okay, go who else? Alice, Susan, and the painter Clark. Ooh, Alice, Susan, and the painter. Um, I'd kill Alice. That bitch crazy. <laughs> uh, she needs to go. Sure. Um, I would marry Susan and I'd fuck that painter. Yes, I would. 
I think that might be what I would do too. I definitely don't want to fuck Alice. No. Yeah, I think Alice is dead. Although I might I might fuck Susan and Mary Clark. Hmm. I mean, either way, we know they're short-lived. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. I just feel bad for Susan. I want to take care of her. I know, she just sweet gets, Susan. She just gets shuffled around and, like, has no say. It makes me feel bad. I just yeah. want to protect her. Yeah. Um, As if I could do that being her spouse. I don't know, but sure. I would try. So we've got <laughs> maybe one more that okay. we can do. We're almost out of characters. Um, uh-huh. So let's say the fairy man... Great. The shopkeeper's apprentice. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, the mayor of Faversham. Great. Um, you go first this time. Okay. Okay. So I think I would fuck the fairy man. Mm-hmm. Marry the mayor. And kill the apprentice. Yep. That's exactly what I would do. Alrighty. Glad we're agreed. Yeah. I mean, the mayor, we're clearly gold digging in this sense, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I want the security there. That's that's exactly what I thought. I was like, well, clearly I'm marrying the mayor. Duh. He's the one that comes out unscathed. Yep. Yay. Fun game. I love this game so much. Me too. Great. We have a correction to issue. I don't understand what this note is. Yeah. So in... Some episode recently, Two mm-hmm. Gents, it was in Two Gents, we were talking about what light is light if Sylvia be not seen, yes. that speech, because it's yes. amazing. Yes. And you said, yes, I hate to call you out, but you said, that's why everyone auditioned with it in Shakespeare and Love. You're right. But I see the error now. Everyone auditioned with "Is this the face that launched a thousand ships?" You are from correct. Faustus, and then it was I just Gwyneth Paltrow, who right. yeah, yeah. I it didn't, and then I listened to it on the drive up, and I was like, "Oh, that's wrong. We have to stand corrected. How dare we, have we to set it right? Let this go unchecked. We yeah. know, we know. So uh, oh if you also caught Thank that, you. yeah, you're welcome. We, I got you, listeners. Yeah. Thank, thank you for yeah. catching me on that. I completely I forgot. Yes. Um, speaking of the documentary Shakespeare in Love, I have to be a little more careful about around whom I call it the documentary <laughs> Shakespeare in Love because some people don't know that I'm joking or they don't think that I'm joking. Like I was doing a workshop just this morning and I was like, well, if you, you'll recall from the documentary Shakespeare in Love where Shakespeare is, you know, nibbling on his quill nib and writing furiously. I was talking about textual variation and right. foul papers and stuff and I was trying to give them that visual of like, handsome joseph fine scribbling madly you know on his paper and they it was just crickets like no 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 chuckle like nothing they were i was like oh god i think i think they think i'm serious that either i think it's a documentary or i know something they don't know um Uh, i need to be more careful about that also (laughs) speaking of the documentary shakespeare in love Mm -hmm, yes uh my program does a film series every year and Uh this year in fact, coming up very quickly, we're doing Shakespeare in Love on the big yes. screen. <gasps> and I am so excited. And my oh friend, my, my friend Emma, who I love, has never seen it. What? Well, she's like 24. 
Oh, baby. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the movie itself is 20 years old, at least. Yeah. So. It came out in yeah. 1998. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she's forgiven. She was but a baby. also, I cannot fucking wait to sit next to her for the entirety of the film and just beat her in the leg and be like, Emma, pay attention to this part right here because it's so good. Cause you know, you know how I do that when I go to something with someone yes. and I, I just like tap them on the knee all yes. the time. I'm like, pay, like attention, a cat. pay attention, like a cat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. So <laughs> shout out to Emma. Yay. Sorry oh, I'm that so happy. <laughs> I'm so excited for her that she's going to get to see it on the big screen. And for the first time. I know. Uh, I'm so excited. God. I'm so jealous of her. That but she also, gets to see it yeah. the first time. Yeah, because the first time that I saw it, I was 18, question mark? If it was 1998, you were a teenager, but well, you were 18. Well, I didn't see it. I didn't see it in 1998. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did. I ni- saw it in 98 well, sure. in the theater. No, I did not, because it was rated R because of Gwyneth Paltrow's boobs. Oh, right. And in 1998, I was 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 12 our director slash drama teacher shout out to Jenny uh like stood up in front of the screen during the boob part oh my god or maybe fast forwarded past it I I don't remember it was one of those two things wow yeah because she like she couldn't show us boobs right like it was a school thing right uh and there were you know legit 14 year olds in the room so Shakespeare in love we love it we love it. Yeah. That when was I saw it in the theaters, I, I was so excited about seeing it and so excited by the whole experience after watching it that like my knees were shaking when I was leaving the movie theater. I was so thrilled that such a movie existed. I was That's like, adorable. this just made my life. I was trembling with excitement. <laughs> it was so good. I know. Oh my God. I know. <sighs> wistful sigh anyway shall we gossip a little bit yeah i think (laughs) both of this is you okay so the red bull theater is doing an off-broadway production of the white devil directed by louisa prosky uh the white devil by john john webster um again a play that's not done very often uh and they uh one i was just excited that they're doing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) And two, there was something about it that there's some kind of concept they're doing with it that I thought was really rad. And now I'm not seeing it in their production papers. Uh, Let's see. Director Louisa Prosky, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, interprets his 17th century play as a contemporary dystopian dive into a dizzying maze of sex, wealth, and power. Mm. Yeah, sounds about right. So, So they're updating it. They're they're doing it if you're in the New York area. Mm-hmm. But yes, this um, this production is going to be in New York at 121 Christopher Street mm. at the Lucille Lortel Theater. It runs from March 19 to April 14, so that's going to be we will be a week into the run by the time this episode airs. But they'll be running through the middle of April, so 
Um, it's a cool, cool thing. It's a great play. John Webster, speaking of the documentary Shakespeare in Love, everybody remember the creepy little boy with the rats? That's John Webster. Mm-hmm. So, and he does go on to write excessively bloody plays the way he says he does when he's dangling that rat over a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just, I can't believe how well and also not well I remember that movie. Um <sighs> <laughs> and how I connect it to everything I have learned since. It's kind of sad. I hope it's also kind of cute. Anyway, so there's that, The White Devil. Also, I'm going to need my phone again. We got a really awesome fan mail contact from, I want to shout this person out properly, from Alex. Uh, from oh, an Alex. Alex at Ohio State, question mark? Yeah, Alex at Ohio Dominican. Oh. It was a master's student at Ohio Dominican. What can I say besides you're welcome? She <laughs> apparently, she, he. Oh, Alex no. is a gender neutral name. They. It is. They have been using our podcast uh, to, to beef up their research, which I think is really awesome. I do And too. I'm so glad we could help. I know. I'm also I was like, like, oh, really? I hope okay. everything I've ever said has been correct. Right. Um, <laughs> well, they also said they used the Much Ado episode, which makes me think of, you know, that was the episode where you ranted about Claudio being a, a giant, giant bag, bag of dicks. Because he is. Um, you're welcome, Alex. Glad we could help. Keep being an awesome listener. Yeah, Good luck thanks. with your master's program and going into your phd good luck to you thanks for we'll reaching keep, out you know yeah thanks for reaching out we we love yeah. that so if that's you great. see us on the conference circuit ever come say hi yeah yeah and you know because we're gonna be an saa that's exciting Alrighty. dick bracket time okay so uh last week it was the white devil boys up against the brothers of malfi Mm-hmm. And the brothers of Malfi took it, which was not surprising. So that's yeah. where we're at. They took it handily. Yeah. This week, it's a week off before the final. We're having a bye week, if yeah, you will. We have to because we have to wait for the results. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's going to be the Malfi brothers against whoever wins the Tamberlane Duke matchup. Man, I never thought we'd. I, I mean, I'm just looking at those three names remaining, I and I'm know. like, damn. And I kind of have a pretty good idea Same. of Same. who I think is going to face off with them. Yeah, so I'm thinking, like, damn, that's quite a matchup. Yeah. Uh, never saw that coming. Of no. all of the names that we listed, I for well, sure did not see that coming. And here's why we didn't see it coming, is because we seeded it poorly. Because we don't understand how brackets work. <laughs> I guess. Right? Like, Iago yeah. got knocked out in the first round. That shouldn't have happened. Yeah, so. you're right. You're right. But. Well, live and learn, folks. Yes. Also, as I said last week, I think, and as I will say again this week, definitely, um, we are bringing the bracket or a version of the bracket, a better version of the bracket to SAA. It will be Mm. there. It has been seeded properly. It is our top 16 picks going up against each other. You can fill it out. We're going to sort of do a rematch. It's going to be amazing. Some redemption. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get some. Yeah, some heavy maybe, hitters weighing in on it. Yeah, maybe also put that up on Twitter for everyone who's not going to SAA, since that yeah. is probably most of our listeners will not be at SAA. You never know. Yeah, I mean, you Who never knows? know. It's probably, it might even be like 50-50. I don't know. But if you're yeah. going to be at SAA, you can do it. And if you're not going to be at mm-hmm. SAA, we'll figure out how to involve we you. We will, yeah, we will tweet about it. Because we like to be inclusive. Yes, we do. So. <laughs> even with dick brackets. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
That's my impression of you doing that noise. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We hope you leave the podcast more informed than when you started. Tune in next week for Galatea 101 with a very, very exciting special guest expert. They're all very exciting. But I'm extra I don't know I'm always extra thrilled yeah it's a friend it's another friend they're usually friends but I'm excited whatever shut up it's gonna be fine here we I'm gonna hit you with the quote are you ready for the quote this is the best line in the entirety of Arden of Faversham are you ready maybe this mist my friend is mystical Jesus. You would pick a dad joke out Did of that whole text. Did you not fucking hear how loud I laughed when he said that? I did. It is Maybe. enshrined I... for all posterity because you were recording. That's true. With permission. All we of... should say with permission. You had a press pass. You were there yes. to do the thing. Yeah. Yes. Don't record yeah. without permission. Okay. Whamlet out, y'all. If you liked this podcast, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play. For show notes and other fun things, you can visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Or you can drop us an email at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can find us on Instagram at hurlyburlyshakes or at hurlyburlyshake on Twitter. The Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show was produced and edited by Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. Our fantastic theme music was composed by Jonathan Shu. You can learn more about him at Jonathan shoe.com or find his albums on iTunes. All opinions you heard on this podcast are our own and are not at all affiliated with our institutions of work and or study. Gonna marry me, the first woman I see. She's gonna love and do right by me. Have a kid, have some family. Gonna marry me, the first woman I see. I don't practice Santeria. Oh, good God. I got no crystal ball. No. I love that album. It's a good one. I mean, it's it's a a classic. Yeah. It is. Love Sublime. Once upon a time, we've derailed. (laughs) We have derailed big time.